0: It's time to come aboard the most glamorous destination at sea, Cunard's Queen Mary 2. Hello, I'm Gary Benbridge, and this is Tips for Travellers, the global travel destination podcast. My travel reviews and recommendations based on the first-hand experiences I gain from the up to two to three times a month I travel all over the world. To find out more, you can visit the website at tipsfortravelers.com or mytravelreviews.com where you'll find links show notes, how to subscribe, individual episodes and many photo and video galleries. It's now time for this episode of Tips for Travellers. This Tips for Travellers is based on a four-nighted trip I did on the Queen Mary 2 from Southampton in the UK to Hamburg in Germany and back to Southampton. It meant two full days at sea, one night in Hamburg. And we travelled Queen's Grill, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that later. We'd booked at the very last minute, um, and literally just a week before we sailed, we um, did the actual booking. And with all the hustle and bustle and planning to get oneself ready and on board, I'd almost forgotten what a major spectacle this monstrous ship, the Queen Mary II, is. And that was until I woke up at about 6 a.m. as we were heading up the river towards Hamburg and realized already at that stage some 40 or 50 ships crammed full of goggling fans and curious people who must have got up at some godforsaken hour were now sailing alongside the ship, the Queen Mary II, as we went up the Elbe River. To welcome the ship into the city of Hamburg and the banks of the river were crammed full of an estimated crowd of up to 600,000 people who were cheering and whooping as the QM2 majestically sailed up the river on this glorious, glorious Sunday morning in July. Television helicopter, although as it, we progressed further, there was more helicopters hovered overhead, and the the throngs of ships and boats and even police boats escorting the ship grew thicker and thicker as we as we neared our berth. It was incredible that some six hundred thousand people had just turned out to watch a ship appearing um, in dock and as we docked, we actually saw that the the city itself had laid on a fair right next to the the actual docking area. For the whole day, there was a stage where bands were playing and um, as we sat on the decks, you know, basking in this glorious German summer day, we just watched as wave after wave of kind of eager city dwellers came to to just watch the ship and it was amazing because there was even like a Hell's Angels crowd on their motorbikes, all these big but rough looking men had all driven up to, to watch the, the ship. And what was amazing is sitting on the deck 11 on the Queen Mary 2 we were actually standing higher than almost every single building in that city. Isn't it incredible? We were standing on a ship which had sailed up the river and we were looking over the tops of the roofs of all of the buildings because all the buildings in Hamburg are only about four or five stories high, it seems. And it was just incredibly surreal watching these people swarming around and gaping up at the ship. Um, And it was just quite, quite amazing. It was at that point that it really just struck me how impressive, uh, how exciting, and just the extent of this, this whole kind of mystique and tradition and glamour that Cunard exudes. And I don't think that any other big ship would have got quite the same attention. Yes, I know the Queen Mary Two is no longer the biggest ship in the world, but I think it still is the biggest ship in terms of prestige and style and excitement. It's a it's a ship that people get really excited about. I think that you know Cunard and the Queen Mary Two really does exude and embody a glamour and romance of of sailing like no other line. Now, partly it's it's through its very snobby insistence, for example, that it it. It has liners. It doesn't have ships. It has liners, um, where other, other cruise lines just have ships. It's partly it's very glamorous advertising, which is linked and still rooted very, very solidly in the days of crossing. This is about you know, crossing from, from the UK to, to the US. And it harks back to this time when, you know, the only way to cross was by these glamorous liners and the rich and the famous and the glamorous were seen at sea, you know, traveling in in great style. And they really just hark back to this in all of their marketing. And, you know, when you page the brochures, um, and this kind of stuff, you do realize that, you know, a large part of their schedule is actually, like other ships, it's plying the tourist spots around Europe in summer, in the Caribbean and winter. Although a big part of it, I think we as something like about, is it 13 crossings or 14 crossings they do um, during, during the summer. Um, but so they really hark and, and they really are the transatlantic cruise line or liner line, whereas all the other ships really just do it kind of as a, as a repositioning thing. So you know, it, it's the whole mystique is the whole story. And as we watch the the hordes of people, you know, standing there admiring the ship, all these hundreds of thousands of people, we kind of ask the question: as like, well, why don't they just book on the Queen Mary tour if they're so fascinated? And the answer, I think, is because people expect it and think it's it's very exclusive and it's very expensive. But in reality, the ship itself ranges from the very expensive. You know, you can spend up to I think it's about 50, Twenty thousand, thirty thousand pounds, what's about thirty thousand dollars, just crossing the, the Atlantic. You know, a six-day trip in the very majestic, you know, suites. But it's right down to a few hundred pounds or a few hundred dollars in 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 kind of an inside. And you've got to bear in mind. There are three classes on Queen Mary 2, and it's a bit like, effectively like first class, club or business class, and economy class on airlines. So they have the Queen's Grill, which is kind of like first class. It has Princess Grill, which is kind of like club class, and Britannic Grill, which is kind of like economy or coach this whole class-driven structure was at the very heart of old liners, and, and in fact, and you know, until the '60s and, and even a little bit beyond, that ships were much more segregated. You know, there were separate decks being for first class or steerage. And something I noticed actually is that it's quietly been reintroduced on the Queen Mary too, because Queen Queen Scroll, it doesn't have its only have its own dining room. It also has its own lounge. Now it has its own deck for sunbathing on deck 11 Um, and in fact some of the duplex cabins itself with the balconies actually right at the back of the ship and they actually sit and overlook the main decks where everyone else can be so actually it's it, it actually encourages this whole sense of exclusivity because if you are staying in some of the most expensive apartments you can actually go and sit on the balcony where Everybody else can look at you and realize that actually you're the ones in the most upmarket and most expensive cabins. And it's interesting because in the groups and stuff, people say, oh, this must be terrible. You know, you pay a lot of money. But actually, I think the people who pay the money want to be seen in this kind of conspicuous consumption piece. But coming back to the whole point, you know, you can pay a lot of money to go into Queen's School. And it is really magnificent. As I mentioned, at the opening, we traveled in Queen's School. And I'll talk a little bit about that but you can get very reasonable fares in Britannia Grill and it's not that you don't have a nice room it's not that you don't have an amazing restaurant the Britannia Grill restaurant is just a phenomenally huge almost titanic looking in terms of style restaurant and incredible food it's not that they scrimp on that it's just that you have this 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 very big big kind of um, uh, spread of of prices and stuff now to describe the Queen Mary two as huge is, is probably an understatement it's Guy Genormous, but it looks very distinctive and it, and it looks very impressive and actually, you know when it blows its horn, it thunders like no other ship you actually hear it 's just really kind of very, very, very impressive now, as you know if you listen to other podcasts um, i 've been on the q e two and been on a number of Pinot ships, both of course, ultimately were all owned by Carnival, which owns many of the liners. And, you know, the p and ship like the Arcadia, which I was on recently, which actually originally was going to be built as a Cunard ship, the Queen Victoria, but it was changed later because it decided it wasn't going to be distinctive enough, coming back to that whole branding branding thing. But, you know, the the, the ships, then, the ship itself, when we first went on, we thought, OK, it's pretty nice and it's pretty good. But the more we explored the ship, we realized that, you know, ships themselves... Um, do have a personality they're like people and it's quite hard to compare ships because each has its own strengths and each has its own pluses and its own negatives I guess and actually it's a bit like people you know you kind of like them for different reasons so a lot of people try and say oh did you like this ship more than that ship and it's a bit like friends you have friends and you like them for, for different reasons and I think the more I've learned about ships they're like that but I must say the Queen Mary too you know it could be large and crass but it is very beautifully done. I really, really loved the Queen Mary too. It was, it was really kind of just amazing. As you can probably I feel like I'm a bit ranting and raving about it. The service was very understated but highly efficient, and it's, it's kind of interesting because you almost don't notice the service, which is probably what it should be, isn't it? Really, you kind of, it's so good that you don't really, really notice at all. Now, I mentioned we were on this four-nighter trip, um, staying in, in, in Queen's Grill. And in the Queen's School restaurant, it was like the QE2. It was mostly European, Caucasians, versus, say, Thai or Malaysian or Indian that you get on other cruise liners. And the service, I noticed, was much less chatty and much less engaging than it had perhaps been on the QE2. But you, you did get to realize that they kind of decide how you want to play it. They decide how you want to do it. Now, on the QE2, we'd had the butler service piece. And the butler service on the Queen Mary 2 wasn't as good, I didn't think. The butler um, didn't really get that involved. We basically only saw him when he dropped by to drop off canapes at about 5 o'clock and, and drop off some drinks and things. Now, it might have been that we, particularly the cabin we were staying in, it wasn't on where many other Queen's Grill cabins were in because we'd booked at the last minute and you buy kind of a guaranteed fare. And so we got a Q7, and I'll talk about that a little bit later. But a Q7 is kind of, it's it's... It's designed to be really um, cabins that are used for disabled um, people if they want to travel Queen's Grill, and and so it's designed for accessibility and stuff. So it's on a slightly different floor, and it might have been why, but but the the butler service didn't seem as good, and talking to other people, they, they were kind of... Uh, less less impressed, Whereas on the q e two people were sitting next to it at dinner they 'd also be in the q two and they spoke a lot about how the butler service just seemed much more intermittent so that may be a function of size, etc. The other thing which was interesting is that in terms of um Uh, the facts and figures and stuff you know there's so much stuff you can quote on the the QM2 so what I decided to do is I'm not going to repeat it on the podcast what I will do is in the show notes I'll put links to um, the various features and sites etc and you can go and have a look at that now the only fact I will say is and I mentioned it already is that it's not the biggest ship in the world there was a Royal Caribbean ship which is now bigger in the sun that are being built that's bigger. It takes about 2,620 passengers and about 1,500-something crew. So it's a lot of people. But what was amazing about it, though, is it never felt very cramped and it never felt particularly busy, even when we were on sea days when everybody was was, was there. It really was, um, really was quite something. So why don't I get stuck into some of the tips for travelers if you are thinking about traveling on the Queen Mary too. Now, what I've done before I get stuck into that is I've took about, I don't know, <laughs> something like crazy and that four days. is something about 300 pictures. It's amazing what you can do with digital pictures. I've sorted them all out into two categories, one of which is kind of pictures of the outside and inside of the ship, and then a whole lot about hamburg and when we arrived in hamburg and when we left hamburg and so you can get um, access to those if you go to the website tipsfortravellers.com or com, remembering that tips for travelers is spelled um, the uk way with two l's or you can go to um, what i have now set up which might you may find easy if you want to subscribe to the blog is at um, www w.myspace.com mysp- slash travelers all one word and you'll also find um, the blog there So um, and I put links to the various photographs also what I've done is I've also made a little video of the hotel room and you'll also find that in the blog and then in the show notes you can get a sense of what the room was like so here's the tips for travelers if you are considering going on the Queen Mary 2 the first tip that I would recommend is actually do what we did which was do one of their taster trips they have a couple of taster trips some which they do out of the US some which they do out of, um, of Europe of three to four days and really I, this is my tip anyway for anyone who's thinking about or considering going cruising um, but particularly if you want to go on a new ship so for example when we were looking at going on p o we went and tried out the Aurora so we found we liked the PO, we found that it worked well for kind of uh, Mediterranean type stuff and we decided we want to go on the Alcadia because we wanted to go on a ship that didn't have children, for example. So I would strongly encourage you anyway, you know, if you think about going cruising, never try to take one of these trips, and all of the major cruise lines do them. And uh, Cunard does that with the QE2, and they do it with the QM2. Also, what I think you should do is really try out the class and the type of cabin that you think you may want. And actually, don't be shy, particularly because it's a short trip. Actually, almost go one class up but ask to see the class that you're thinking of. So if you're thinking of going on a longer trip, a two-week trip, or a crossing, say, in Britannia or Princess or whatever, actually consider going one class up because if you go on one of these shorter trips, you'll probably find it's more affordable. You get to find the layout, you get to learn what's what's what and see kind of what type of cabin it works. And I think that's something I would strongly recommend doing is try the taste trip and almost go one cabin up and, 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 and explore. The second tip, I would say is whichever cruise line you're thinking of, but particularly for Cunard, is go to the the site either at cunard.com, C-U-N-A-R-D.com if you're in the U.S., or cunard.co.uk if you're in the U.K., uh, or search if you're out of those two two places, but you'll find that either cunard.com or cunard.co code uk is a good one to sign up for Um, but they do have other uh, other country references and you'll find along the bottom under the international sites sign up there either for um, physical mail or emails or brochures decide which you prefer if you prefer receiving stuff in the mail you prefer stuff by email the reason i say that is one of the things that's very clear with cruising and cruise um, sites is that you know It's a very big ship, the QM2, and there's always going to be a lot of offers and lots of discounts on offer. And the main deals seem to be either if you book very early or if you book very late. So, for example, you know, we were looking at going on a cruise in March and we actually booked about 16, 17, 18 months ahead of time. we got an incredibly good deal. We got a fantastic deal booking a week ahead because they, they know what they've sold and they're now looking for the last minute. So booking very early or booking very late. And of course the later you book, the less chance you're going to get to choose your cabin. But um, if you sign up for the emails, they'll always send out um, offers and deals and specials, you know extra flights, off flight upgrades, onboard credit, etc. The other thing to do is to sign up for one or two cruise websites. Now, these differ very much by country, so I'm not going to recommend anyone in particular. But if you just search, um, you know, for various cruise things, there are some that you'll find on on the blog that I've got. um, If you do want some some points, but if you go to the blog, you'll find a link to um, one of the other blogs I've got, which is called Cruise Links, and and that, that covers a number of those. So that's the second tip that I would say, and particularly for Cunard, I would strongly encourage you to do that. If you think about the Queen Mary it's a huge ship and there will always be offers and deals. The third thing to do is is spend time researching now you obviously listen to this podcast. You may or may not look at the the blog, but really do research what you want and and decide if the q m two is the right ship for you. It is a very big ship there's a lot of people, and depending where you 're leaving from, the kind of the makeup will be very different. for example, this ship because it was going to Hamburg and then was going on a crossing, the ship was very very, very full of German passengers. Um, obviously, if, if you're going out of the U.S. down to the Caribbean, it's going to be very full of American passengers. If you're going on a on a crossing from Southampton to the to the U.S., it's more likely to be full of UK passengers, and vice versa. So do a bit of research and decide what it is that you really want. My favourite site for doing research is cruise, CruiseCritic.com. That's all one word, and they have incredibly fantastic boards there. And if you go to the boards.CruiseCritic.com, and you'll find then it's done by. By, by cruise type, so Cunard or Holland America or whatever. And the Cunard group is fantastic. Um, it's very, very active. You post a question, you get answers within an hour, two hours, three hours. It's really just amazing. Um, for example, we had some questions about the guaranteed fare thing, which I'll talk about in, in, in a bit. And, you know, within an hour, we had answers about it. The fourth thing I would encourage you to do is in terms of booking. It really does pay to ask around. Now Cunard have a website which has an online booking facility but actually my learning is both from doing it on the Cunard site and through other sites is you actually are unlikely to get the best deal by booking directly so unlike hotel websites if you know for example you go to Hilton or Sheraton or wherever you'll normally get the best deal on their website This is not true of of cruising. Cunard is very much a travel agent-based business, and agents have a lot of sway in terms of the cabin choice, um, upgrades, or other kind of uh, special bits and pieces. Now, the call center is much better than it used to be since they kind of have merged some of the back back office. It is much better. Now, we booked um, uh, another cruise, for example, um, through agents, and we got, what we did is we went to the website, found out the various prices, so you know what the price is, contacted the agent, said, look, this is the price. What deal can you get me? Can you get me a better room? Can you get the cabin I want? Can you get some credit? Can you get discount? And you genuinely will find you'll get the best deal through an agent. So I would strongly recommend that, that, that you do that. And it was interesting because when we were in Hamburg, I mean, the boat was swarming with travel agents, and they seemed to really look after their travel agents. So, you know, for example, the people at the table next to us, We'd actually booked, I didn't follow my own advice, I'd booked uh, through the site, which has kind of confirmed this. And they had got the same thing, similar deal, but they had got a much better room. They'd actually kind of effectively got an upgrade to a higher level. And the key difference was they'd done it through a travel agent, which has a relationship with QNOT. So I think that's an important learning. Tip number five is, i would mentioned a couple of times, this guaranteed fares. Now, what Cunard does in each of the classes, whether it's Princess, whether it's um, Queen's Girl, whether it's Britannia, they have this thing called guaranteed fares. Now, the guaranteed fares usually are the cheapest, and all it does is it guarantees to get you into that class, but you do not get to choose your cabin. So... Now, I'm the sort of person that stresses about it. I like to know exactly which, which cabin I'm in or which room I'm on, on a plane, and so I like all this kind of stuff. But the guaranteed fares, you normally get an incredible deal. Now, the, in Cunard, the, the, the guaranteed fares... They're like a Q7 or a P7 or whatever, and they are as I mentioned earlier. This is kind of the the, the room for disabled passengers who need more access. So, for example, they don't have a bath, and they always have a shower. They have more room by the side of the bed, and this kind of stuff. The cupboards are designed where you know um, people who are perhaps in a wheelchair can pull the the rails down, all that kind of stuff. So often, what happens is if those rooms are in demand, then you kind of get bumped up to a to a higher grade. Anyway, or if the the, the ship 's not full they 'll they'll, they'll move you up, but a guaranteed fare is a really, really good thing to to look for it now, just in terms of cabin choice, however, if you are nervous about certain things so for example you 've never been on a cruise and you are nervous about say getting seasick or something like that, then you may not want to go with the guaranteed fare. You may want to go for a kind of a midship low down and just so you feel a little bit more comfortable so like people. Um, colleagues from work were going on QNOT for the first time and that's what they were doing they weren't worried about what class they were in they were more worried about where they were in the ship because they were worried about whether they get seasick or not get seasick now the Queen Mary 2 is such a huge ship and it is incredibly stable and you know it's got latest technology although you know I've read other write-ups where it has been tossed around um, and, and so you know that's something to think about you also need to to, to think about um, whether you want views, so watch a lot because you'll find a lot of the cabins in various classes with the prices have you know uh, obstructed views because they have um, the lifeboats or things like that in, in in the place and and some of them have like what they call hull um, balconies because they're actually a little bit lower down. And it's kind of cut out of the hull. So just you know, think about it. Have a look at the maps and understand. Normally, if you look at a class and some are cheaper, it's cheaper for 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 a reason. But the guaranteed fare things is is, is very important. My sixth tip is um, about um, getting getting to the getting to the to the ship. Now, Bear in mind, there's two thousand six hundred twenty passengers that need to get on board, but. You know they are incredibly efficient. It is really quite amazing. Now when we went on the QE2, it was very difficult um, to get on board. It seemed very shambolic and took us ages to get on board. Um, uh, but th- they seem to have just become much slicker, and it's incredible. We arrived, you know, more or less on time, um, a little bit latish, and you know there was no queue to check in, no to get on the ship. We got on the ship, and it was just um, amazing. I still encourage you, I still think a whole part of the thing is getting there early and that whole excitement of getting on the ship very, very early. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit about sailing out of Southampton um, because sailing out of Southampton is, is very magical. Um, it's not quite as dramatic, of course, as sailing out of New York where you get to you know, sail out of the city and stuff. But Southampton is kind of the homeland of, of, of Cunard. And, um, you know, Southampton's about one and a half hours to two hours driving time from, from London. Um, but on the transatlantics, the, the magical thing you can do is they arrange for the Orient Express to take you from Victoria Station right up to the, to the you know, to, to the ship. And that's just really quite amazing. But they also have an incredible arrangement with parking um, where you can book the parking in advance. You drive up, you get out take your luggage out your luggage is taken away the next time you see it it's in it's in your room and the car goes away and when you come back it's sitting there waiting for you right outside the ship it's it's really quite quite something so um, you know really think about getting to the ship early um, and and um, spending a little time you know kind of boarding and all that kind of stuff the seventh the, 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 the seventh um, tip that I've got is you know try and um, Although the qm 2 does have some sort of class structure and, and one or two little areas which Queen Squirrel passengers have, it, it's not very many. Um, it's not completely segregated, um, and so don't worry about that. But the first thing to do is, you know, get on board and straight away they give you a great little booklet, a tiny little booklet which folds out, and do a familiarisation trip and actually just, you know, get on board. Don't even unpack. Just walk to the ship. Start at the go right up to the top and just work your way down and and actually the ship is very, very easy to find your way around. Um, they have each of the main stairwells is kind of colour coded by the carpet so you eventually kind of learn that. And the only tricky area in the ship is towards the rear of the ship near the Britannia restaurant which is on different levels. It's a little bit tricky to sort of, you know, work your way to get um, behind some stuff behind that. But it's a very easy to ship to find your way around, and the map is, is great. So it's a very, although it's a very large ship, it's very logically and very well laid out and very well designed. But do that familiar, familiar, familiarization trip. The eighth tip is that, you know, Cunard, the dress code is very strict, and I think that's a great thing. I, I'm a big fan of this idea of dressing up and, and whatnot, but they are very strict on the dress code. So it's not the kind of place where you could pitch up on a formal night not informal gear you in some places will not be allowed in the restaurant they are very strict about um, code so it's not like some liners where it's kind of more advised it is is required there are three different types of dress code formal informal and casual formal for men is is um, you know uh, uh, tuxedo uh, informal is jacket and tie so you have to have a, a, a sorry suit and tie and casual is long-sleeve shirt and smart trousers. Now, they do really pride themselves on this and people do dress up for it. And so if you don't like dressing up, you know, Cunard is not the right, is the right ship um, for you to do. Now, the, on the ninth tip is really, you know, I think although, that you know, they do welcome kids and they do welcome teenagers, Queen Mary Two is not really a ship for kids, and not really a, a ship for teenagers. They have a little nightclub, and, st- and they do have a kids' club and stuff. But it's very interesting because of the ship and what it's like, and the nature of the history of Cunard. It doesn't attract the kind of people that take um, a lot of kids. So I, I, I wouldn't recommend it as a, as a, as a place for kids. They clearly do do have it, and they have a pool right at the very bottom at the back, which they kind of encourage for families to use and that kind of stuff. But it's not really a, a very, a, a very kids, kiddies place. It is very good for sun worshiping, though you know. So they have designed it. Unlike the Qe2, this this has been designed really to allow a lot of deck space. Um, it's on on three levels. Right at the top, some decent sized pool, um, and you know, it's it's a really good kind of space for for sunning itself, etc. So that's my ninth tip. It's a bunch about kind of kids and sun worshiping. The last thing I want to talk about is entertainment. Now. It was much less in- intensive on the, on the trip we did, and I think that was really partly because they were about to go on, on a crossing where they would have much more. Um, the entertainment is, is um, you know, you have your daily paper, um, and what they also do, actually, which is very good, is they have in- an interactive television system, so you can actually go through and, and look what's happening and, and whatnot, but you get your daily paper, which is very nicely, very nicely done. Now, I'm going to bundle the whole stuff in terms of entertainment together because there is a lot of great stuff to do. Uh, and things that I would recommend and, and talk about. So there's a bunch of stuff here. There's the, they have a, a nice historical tour throughout the ship, which if you're on a longer trip, you can get a little audio stuff from the purser's office. But all around the ship, they have these kind of little freezers and panels, and, they, and they're kind of themed around different things. It's like stars. It's a history of Cunard. And they're really, really very, very interesting um, to do. Um, they have also for those, and that's a great thing to do if you're on a C-Day, because you can just meander around and take your time and, and whatnot. What's linked to C-Days is they have an incredible library. It's really a very, very fantastic library. And they have um, internet access, they have wireless access in the public rooms, and then they have kind of an internet cafe both in the library and a thing called Connections where they do internet training, etc., In terms of some other kind of interesting um, stuff, which they have an incredible golf simulator um, thing, which I had never seen before, was just quite amazing. You play with real clubs, and you have a choice. I'm just looking at the list now. 51 real courses you can play on um, from all around the world, and it's just the most amazing thing. The simulator, you physically play. It has sensors, and it, it projects your kind of your. Angle of your ball, how far it will go. Now I'm rubbish at golf. I've only just taken up, played a few times. And it was just amazing. It was absolutely incredible playing on this on, the, on this course. So, and clearly it's designed for people that are very good. They have a couple of other things. They have RADA, students from RADA doing shows, which is pretty impressive. They have people from Oxford giving lectures. And the Royal Court Theatre, which is a very, very nice theatre. So they have two sort of theatres there. They have the Illuminations where they do the RADA and the Oxford lectures. And also in there they have a Planetarium. So there's a bunch of stuff around there. The Royal Court Theatre does the more traditional traditional shows, lots of musical groups playing. They have a nightclub, which is a really funky-looking nightclub, actually, although it's pretty quiet because of the nature of people that, um, that they do. They have the usual, they have the dancing lessons, the balls and that kind of stuff. They also have um, a basket, nice basketball course, a nice mini tennis court, and there you can also do a bit of golf and stuff. They show a lot of movies. They have a great casino, very large, big casino. And actually what I must say is they did actually have a pretty good selection of shops, a really, really nice selection of shops. They did the inevitable inch of gold and stuff, which is really um, bizarre, but they do all that. Throughout the ship, everything's priced in dollars, although they tell you the official currency is, is is pound sterling, but everything's priced in dollars. So for those people in the UK, it's great because with the currency at the moment, it's it's, it's stuff looks incredibly cheap, like drinks and things. So, those are the tips. The one thing, I want, last thing I wanted to talk about was one of the most discussed topics other than dress code, which is gratuities. QNOT have got a system now where they put $11 US dollars per person on the bill per day, and you can ask to have it taken off and pay direct. But one of the things that we found is there's no sense of pressure from people in the dining room or the butlers or the the, the room stewards or whatever in terms of, of, of gratuities and that's one thing I always stress about a lot of people talk about they do have the add-on things so so you know that's something to, to not get stressed about um, and I get a lot of emails um, or not a lot I get emails from people and the two things that they do stress a lot about is things like um, dress codes and, and gratuities so just to, to do that tips again think about the tasted trip sign up for the emails and look for the deals use websites to do research. Booking, you know, get get the best price going in, in your market or country off the website. Then go to an agent. Um, consider the guaranteed fare. It's really is a great deal unless you're really worried about what type of cabin you have. In which case, do a lot of research. Look at the maps. Um, get to the ship early. Um, if you do get a chance to go to Southampton, think about the whole experience of the Orient Express, etc. Bear in mind, tip number seven. There is this this kind of class structure um, of sorts with the three different um, classes. But it, the ship itself is very easy to get about. It's not very segregated the dress code they are very strict on Um, tip number nine it's not a great place for kids and teens but there is a lot of space in terms of sun worshipping entertainment very diverse Um, lots of things to do lots of quite intellectual things to do and then last of all don't worry about gratuities and but most of all have a great time and i can't wait to be back on that ship again you've been listening to tips for travelers the global travel destination podcast with gary benbridge to find out more, visit the Tips for Travellers website at tipsfortravellers.com. That's all one word and spelt the UK way with two L's. That's tipsfortravellers.com or mytravelreviews.com. There you'll find contact details, links and much, much more. If you want to subscribe to the podcast, search on iTunes or Yahoo Podcasts for Tips for Travellers.